back to the bin. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, Dave. Awesome. 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 Yeah. Awesome. Yes. I got some new uh, cables for my computer today, so I was able to move my tower farther away from my monitors and my mic, so hopefully that'll, there you go. that'll kill a little bit more uh, background noise. Let me turn the fan down and kill that off, too. That's all right. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody will blame us. <laughs> I don't have a fan. It's actually pretty cool up in Boston. Well, I'm not in Boston, but right next to Boston. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's nice. I'm relaxed. Yeah, I think I'm. Let's see. What is the temperature? Yeah, it's 97 still. So. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. Yep. It's a it's a dry 97. Yes. It. Uh, the heat will kill you. Yeah, it's 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 pretty horrible, actually. Ugh. Ugh. Only because like I was used getting used to it gradually, which happens every year. But yeah, then we spent a week and a half in the nice up in the Rockies, where it was you know a lot cooler yeah. and nicer, and you know in the mid seventies all the time. And now I'm freaking. <sighs> now I'm all yeah. sweaty and gross again. So. Yeah. Rocky Mountain High. Oh, I know. I kept singing that song much, much to my wife's annoyance. Oh man, <laughs> you can't you can't go wrong with some John Denver. Oh Sorry. yeah. Every time I'm in town, I have to like pull that song up on YouTube and play it at least once while I roll down the windows and sing it really, really loud. Nice. So. <laughs> I, I I hope you sang some Queen really loud as well though. Oh, I did. Yes, sir. I had a. Uh, you know, 13 hours of driving and uh, two double live albums to listen to. So there you go. There was a lot of Queen. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. And this is not Mr. Producer Paul Spataro. And it is not Dr. Bill Robinson. It is I, the inestimable Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, along with my cohort from. TNA movies, the nicest man in podcasting, <laughs> Dave Atterbury. Hey, everybody. How we doing? We're doing great. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. Back uh, to the bins is all ours. It's all ours. It's assistant editor's <laughs> month, which means we're going to get crazy. We're going to go off format. Mm-hmm. We're going to have tangents. Mm-hmm. We might even have really long synopses. No, no, we won't do that to you. <laughs> no, that's not fair. Just when Paul and Bill thought they got off scot-free for... Uh, well, they've been scot-free on the show for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think we write this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just when you think they got away with stealing the Predator commentary from us, this is what happens. Yeah, it's all yeah. ours, baby. We don't, you know, it, we, could do, we could do enough said episode of of back to the bins insert the cricket sounds for the next 45 minutes Mm -hmm. all right that's enough of that all right (laughs) (laughs) no we like to hear ourselves talk too much oh yeah we love to jibber and jabber yeah that's all right though even though paul and bill stole predator (laughs) (laughs) we, we will be having a meeting of the minds 
mm. very soon. Yes. For your listening pleasure. La. 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 <clears throat> Cal- Cali- California. California. Governor Gray Davis is a girly <clears throat> man. <clears throat> Cali- Cali- California. Cauliflower. <laughs> I am just a little silhouette of a man. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> All right. We got to stop that before I start doing doing mm. Arnold lines for the whole thing. 45 minutes of Queen by Arnold Schwarzenegger. There oh, Christ. <clears throat> we could do it. We we could, but mm-hmm. I didn't have my, my honey and lemon tea to relax my vocal cords or, you know, be like Rod Stewart and have a belt of whiskey. So, <sighs> no, we better just we better just do some comics. Yes, sirree. Well, and we wouldn't be good podcasters if we didn't read our email feedback, folks. Yep, we have email feedback for us for Back to the Bins. Oh, cripes. All right. So, we have a letter from one Paul Spataro. Son of a bitch. <laughs> it reads, Dear Dave and Chris, This is the first time that I'm writing in although I have been a regular listener since the show went on the air. I have to say, I am considering dropping this show from my listening rotation. I mean, I love the concept of reading and reviewing old comics, but often find that the synopses tend to become long and (laughs) tangent-filled. Also, no offense intended, but do you really think that the listeners want to hear about Chris's girlfriend's cat on every show? Yes. Or hear bad Arnold and Schwarzenegger imitations every week. Yes. A little more focus would help to make the show far more enjoyable. Says you. Word to the wise, the world doesn't care whether Dave has a nickname or want to hear about your real life, quote unquote. I don't have a real life. Me neither. Please get with the program, guys. Could the show be more narcissistic and self-indulgent? Oh, don't (laughs) dare us. Please don't answer that. No one wants to hear your answer to a rhetorical question. Your loyal listener for now, Paul Spataro. Uh, he's, on, so he's on something. Don't, don't uh, even. Uh, you know, it's hard to deal with all of Paul's crazy ranting and raving all the time, all his angry uh, Facebooking yeah. and his angry emails. But I know. He's so uh, temperamental. But um, Yeah, that's what happens when you get older. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. in, incontinence, all that kind of good stuff. So. <laughs> Did you say incompetence? Yes, incompetence. That's what I said. Uh, uh, okay. <clears throat> Anyways, um, <clears throat> thank you for the feedback, Paul. We'll yes, certainly take you. it under consideration. All right. Well, so my girlfriend's cat um, killed something and, and brought it into her apartment a couple of days ago. Nice. Nice. Tell me a lot about that in detail. Um, <clears throat> it was It was pretty much dead. Mm. Yeah, it might have been slightly alive, but no, it was dead. Super dead. Yeah, it was dead. Mm. But he, he, I mean, Elwood was so proud. He's like, I brought this for you. Mm-hmm. Elwood? Yeah. Elwood? Elwood? Elwood Blues. He is a rascally cat. Yes, he is. Mm. Elwood, that reminds me of Blues Brothers, which reminds me that it has been 20 years since John Candy died. Can you believe that one? Oh, why did you have to bring it up, man? Sorry. Somebody posted it on the old Facebook. Page. I just had to share my sadness. So, yeah. Now I'm depressed. I can't go on. Mm-hmm. Nah, I just have to think about him bringing giant 
French toast through the, the doorway in Uncle Buck. <laughs> All right. Uh, 25-year-old movie this year. Oh, Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you feel old yet? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> you know, Chris and I really, we, we planned a lot. We, we uh, took lots of copious notes and, um, you know, Many, we did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We spent many, many, many minutes planning our recording of Back to the Bends this uh, this week. So um, I reread my issue in the shit of right before we got on. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so should we flip the virtual coin to see who's going to go first? Uh, you know what? I'll sack up and do it. I don't care. You know what? No, 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 no. I want to go first. I want to get it over with. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> You'd think we didn't want to do this show. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's all pleasure. All right. <laughs> so I happen to have access to a Marvel Unlimited account, thanks to my a good friend, Blake Walker, who I'm going to give a shout-out on the show, even though he'll probably never listen. Um, thanks, Blake. Yep. No, I think he actually had, does listen. So, And if he doesn't, I will uh, shame him mercilessly in real life. But, uh, all right. He gave me access to his Marvel Unlimited account because he is freaking awesome. And uh, he wanted me to read everything Guardians of the Galaxy, which I told him I would as soon as the movie came out. I didn't want to read anything ahead of time. There you go. But uh, so in trying to decide where to dive into the Marvel Universe, I got many great suggestions from uh, our good uh, friend Andrew Leyland and um, others on the Facebook giving me uh, ideas. And I've... Read a few issues here and there, and I picked this one out at random. I literally just I put into the little app on my iPad the year 1980. I just decided I'm gonna start in 1980, and I figured why not. And uh, so I'm trying to uh, pretend that you know that I actually read comics as a kid, uh, <laughs> which I didn't. Yeah, sorry guys. Um, it's even better. You're reading them as an adult. Exactly. So yes, and. Um, so I thought, oh, 1980, you know, I would have been four. Let's just get into this right here. And this was the first one that came up when it, it sorted them all for me. So this is What If, issue number 24, that was published in December of 1980. The credits, Tony Isabella was the writer, Gil Kane and Frank Giacoa. Giacoa. Coya, okay, were the artists. Yeah, you can tell I'm a Marvel noob. Uh, Gafford Kellerist, uh, or Cheskowski was the letterer, O'Neill the editor, and good old Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. This is What If Gwen Stacy Had Lived, which I thought actually kind of fit in with uh, a certain movie that's in the theater, apparently I've heard, spoiler alert, and um, which I haven't seen, by the way. You're not missing much. <clears throat> I didn't think so. Uh, so this issue starts out with uh, Peter Parker is sitting up on a building at the scene where he had lost the love of his life one year ago and he is daydreaming of her beautiful face and he's talking to her and telling her about uh, how sometimes he can go even weeks at a time without thinking about her but then when he starts to remember her it starts to hurt and how he doesn't want to forget her and Peter goes on like this for a while and when we see his memories of the events that led up to the death of Gwen Stacy. And we see how during a fight with the Green Goblin, she was knocked off of a building. And in his attempt to save her... Wasn't it a bridge? Uh, yeah, it was a bridge. Yeah, they're on the bridge. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And they get to the bridge. And she gets knocked off. And he tries to save her by uh, 
using his web to grab her by the leg and apparently snaps her neck, which is pretty gruesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Is that how it shook out in the movie? They do the same thing? Uh, not not entirely. Not entirely. Okay. All right. Well, that's, we'll skip the spoilers for like those of us like me who haven't actually seen it, but it's fine. So she perishes and Peter laments that uh, both uh, her father and, and Gwen both died because of crossing the path of Spider-Man and yeah. doesn't know what the future will bring, but maybe someday he will find happiness somehow. And we see that the watcher is watching mm. and uh, yeah, who would have thunk it? He's actually just watching for once and not getting involved. Yeah, apparently, yeah. So, uh, and he brings up the idea of, well, what if there was an alternate reality where Peter made a different choice? So we flash, I don't know if it's forward, sideways, or into an alternate reality where the scene is immediately being replayed. And uh, once again, Peter is locked in mortal combat with the Green Goblin. And uh, in the moment when Gwen is knocked off of the bridge... He has a split second where he makes a different decision and he dives off to uh, attempt to catch Gwen and break her fall. He shoots out with his trusty web slinger, but he misses the bridge entirely. So he twists his body around and takes the brunt of the fall as they hit the water at high speed. And the Green Goblin laughs because he assumes that they have died in their fall, which, of course, we know, dear readers, that they have not. So Spider-Man comes out of the water. Gwen isn't breathing, so he's got to do some mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Poor Peter. Oh, yeah, poor Peter. Yep. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, he manages to resuscitate her, and she is alive. So Peter is so happy, but... In order to give Gwen said mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, he had to take off his mask. The whole mask? The whole mask, yes. The whole thing, yeah. None of that upside-down, half-off, kissy-face crap. This is the whole mask. And, of course, when Gwen comes, when she regains consciousness, she freaks out to learn that Peter is Spider-Man and also the man that killed her father. So Peter gets down on one knee and bears his soul to his sweetheart and she manages to come around and forgive him, but he also decides that this would be the perfect time to propose marriage to her. <laughs> oh yes. God. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. And, uh, you know, which, you know, he throws in the caveat, yeah, I know I just sprung this on you because we almost got killed and I just resuscitated you from a near-death experience, but hey, let's get married. But take all the time you want to think about it. <laughs> and um, she's she seeing her uh she was not about to let a, a marriage proposal get away so she tells him yes on the spot and they have some sweet sweet make out and, and <laughs> but peter realizes well um this is all great but i've got a job to do i've got to get going so he takes off to go try to find the green goblin who believing that spider-man is dead has gone off and uh, attempted to take control of uh, the the city's criminal underworld because you know he's claiming to have killed at last Spider-Man, uh, but Spider-Man of course crashes the party, yeah. and, and proceeds to beat the snot out of the Green Goblin. It keeps the fight's pretty uh, intense. It goes on for a few pages, and all the criminals that have gathered to see the Green Goblin's little speech decide to jump in and try to help the Green Goblin. Peter 
make short work of most of them. And uh, the Green Goblin is just dumbfounded. Not only is Spider-Man not dead, but doesn't seem that anybody can stop him. So the Green Goblin attempts to throw one of his little pumpkin weapons. And as it goes off and explodes, he manages to escape from Spider-Man, who is buried under a uh, pig pile of baddies. <laughs> so the Green Goblin is just beside himself. He doesn't know what to do. Um, he's wandering the streets, shambling around. It should be raining, but it isn't. He decides that his, he's going to use his backup plan. Uh, so he has an envelope mailed to uh, Spider-Man's greatest enemy to ensure that no matter what happens, that he will have victory. Uh, kill me if you can, Spider-Man. Vengeance will still be mine. Uh, meanwhile, back at the underground evil lair, wherever they, they were meeting up, Peter's beating up all the bad guys. And so he takes off and decides that he's still got to deal with the Green Goblin because the Green Goblin knows his identity. Uh, so he goes to the house of the Osborns, where the two Osborn men are talking to each other. And it's some pretty awesome dialogue here. I'm not sure if I should read it or not. But <laughs> he's basically telling his son that Spider-Man's coming and that we're going to be ready for him. And uh, his son, uh, Harry, tells Harry. him yeah, tells him that you know, he's still our friend. He won't try to hurt us. You just got to give up being Green Goblin, and <laughs> to which his father calls him a spineless jellyfish. Yeah, that sounds and, about uh, like Norman's M.O. Yeah, eventually backhands his son, calling him a sniveling weakling. Uh, Harry goes flying over the couch. Pretty pretty awesome. I'm, I, I'll take this quick moment to point out what awesome hairdo did the... Uh, oh, the sideways cornrows? Yeah, they're, they're bananas. Yeah, so at that moment, uh, Spider-Man comes in. Uh, Tell me, Osborne, is it everybody that you hate or only the people who care about you? Ah, Spider-Man! So, congratulations, Normie. You just passed Recognition 101, which I thought <laughs> was a great line. Classic Spidey. Yeah. So, uh, the Green Goblin uh, proclaims that no one can defeat him on his home ground and uh, proceeds to attack Spider-Man. Uh, hops on his uh, flyer in his living room, which is kind of a bad idea. Yes. Uh, and almost immediately crashes it. And Harry, at that moment, comes to his father's rescue, kind of gets between Spider-Man and his son. And uh, Spider-Man, without thinking, his spider senses tingle, and so he strikes out on instinct and, and smacks Harry across the room and immediately regrets it and tries to go help Harry up. But at that moment, uh, the Green Goblin realizes that you know Harry stood up to Peter Parker and tried to defend him and risked his life for him. And that moment of selflessness kind of snaps the Green Goblin out of his fugue. And they have a tender moment where they cry and hug each other. Dad, it's you, son. And, and they have a great family moment. And uh, Spider-Man points out, uh, I hate to be a spoil sport, Harry, but I'm afraid your dad isn't out of this yet. And Harry replies, I know that, Spider-Man. We, we just need a little time to sort things out. You'll never regret giving us that time. You've got my word on it. So uh -huh. Spider-Man says, okay, and lets them go off to be alone together and work out their problems. And, and so Spider-Man leaves and heads home and uh, basically starts planning a wedding. Let me guess, Gwen, Gwen's dead, isn't she? No, 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 Gwen is not dead. Uh, he basically takes her home to Aunt May and, and tells her that they're going to get married. And uh, basically we skip ahead to the wedding night. Which, oh. from everything that I can tell, happens pretty freaking fast. 
Harry is hanging out uh, with his friend, or, excuse me, uh, Peter's hanging out with uh, Flash, who I don't even know who this is. Again, I'm diving into Marvel <laughs> feet first. So, <laughs> Central Spider-Man, Dave. Just, I know. just read, read, read the first 150, 250 issues of Spider-Man. And then come back? All right, give me a minute. Let me go. Uh... Well, no, I mean, just in general, <laughs> that's, you know. That's exactly what Andrew Leyland told me to do. That's so, oh, it's so good. I'm working on it, Andy. I promise. So uh, essentially, um, you know, Flash kind of, they're just, you know, goof horsing around a little bit. And uh, Peter decides to uh, jump out, uses uh, wall climbing abilities to sneak down to the next floor and pop in the window and say hi to Gwen. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of kissy face, I love you stuff. And so we get to the wedding, and uh, Joe Robertson is giving away... Joe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that Robbie? Mm, it says, look at Joe Robertson beam. It's as if his own uh, daughter he was giving away today. So he's walking uh, Gwen down the aisle. So. Okay. And uh, meanwhile, there's people in the audience uh, whispering to each other, asking, like, has anybody seen... Uh, Jonah Jameson and no, the old skin flint's probably out looking for the cheapest present he can find. And, <laughs> and Aunt May's weeping. It's such a beautiful thing. And she's marveling at the beautiful couple. And they actually get married. The wedding ceremony ends. and But then someone dies, right? Well, <laughs> sort of. Uh, the happiness dies. It's just at the moment when they, he kisses the bride, in walks J. Jonah Jameson with the police. And apparently the envelope that the Green Goblin mailed was to one J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, that cocksucker. Yes. So he's got all the, the, the Green Goblin has sent him all the proof he needs. And on the basis of that proof, the police have shown up with a warrant for Peter Parker's arrest. Aunt May promptly uh, passes out. Of course. That's, what she, <laughs> that's all she did. <laughs> and uh, Peter tries to get to Aunt May, but the police begin to tackle him. And, you know, Peter, with his spider strength, throws them off effortlessly. So uh, a shaken policeman pulls his gun on Peter, and Flash tells Peter, you've got to give yourself up. And Peter has a moment where he stands there, and the police have their guns drawn on him, and he says, give myself up. Not on your life, boys. And Peter jumps out the window and runs. The police start shooting at him. Uh, Gwen starts screaming, you know, stop shooting. He's gone. And J. Jonah Jameson is really pleased with himself. Um, it's the See, greatest gonna, day of his life, he says. i got to call bullshit on that. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, J.J. is a jerk, but he's not that much of a jerk. I can't, uh, I can't reconcile that, man. Well, and that's what, uh, that's, that's what immediately uh, Joe Robertson confronts him and, and says, how could you do such a thing, Jonah? And, he says, don't go shedding any tears over Parker, Robbie. That creep's been playing us all for suckers. And he says, every time he handed a check, he must have been laughing in my face. Well, now it's my turn to laugh. And Robbie replies with, points out the fact that Spider-Man saved your skin a dozen times or more. And uh, J. Jonah pulls up a paper and he says, I afraid you'd go soft on me, Robbie. That's why I waited until you left till I put this on the presses. So he's already published in the paper that Peter's identity, he's already exposed him. <sighs> so... J. Jonah exclaims, who says revenge isn't sweet, Robbie? I've never tasted anything half as delicious. And uh, <laughs> Robbie smacks him with the paper and tells him that revenge always has a price, Jonah. In this case, it's one city editor. And so he quits on the spot. Mm -hmm. 
Robbie then tells Gwen, we'll find some way to help Peter. It's time to be strong. And uh, so he says, we'll go to the other papers and let them know the whole story of what kind of a man Peter Parker is. And by the time we're through, they won't even be using the Daily Bugle to wrap fish in. Uh. We see J. Jonah. He's left alone standing there looking at a crumpled up uh, Daily Bugle laying at his feet. He stands in silence. We see the epilogue, and we see Peter still in his wedding tuxedo, standing atop a building uh, several skyscrapers away, and he's looking at the scene below, and there's the police are outside and the chaos of his ruined wedding. And uh, Peter is thinking to himself how helpless he feels. The entire New York Police Department's after me, and I, I don't even dare make a simple phone call. I was supposed to take care of Gwen forever, and you know the the final victim of the... Spider-Man curse turns out to be Spidey himself. Is this how it ends? Will I be hunted down like some sort of beast that has to be destroyed? Or just to survive? Will I become the very menace that Jameson's always claimed I am? Please not that. Not that. And we, the final panel, we see the Watcher who tells us, And so a troubled man stands and broods with the fate of society at stake. What will his decision be? Only time will tell. Time and the Watcher. Yeah. Now, uh, is that the first issue of What If you've ever read? It is the first issue of What If I've ever read. Okay, so uh, I I I dig that series just because it's fun and it's you know it's out of continuity. Oh yeah. But pretty much all of them have a pretty Twilight Zoney kind of ending. Um, I, I mean, the th- you know, two of the three issues I have are just depressing as hell. <laughs> I mean, one is uh, what if what if the Punisher had killed Daredevil from ah, the, okay. that uh, Frank Miller's run, and uh, yeah, it's it gets pretty bleak. Peter, Spidey goes off the deep end and is like, "You killed Matt!" Blah blah blah, and he gets all crazed. And then there's another one. It's what if the Punisher's family hadn't been killed? Newsflash, they still end up dying and he still becomes the Punisher. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, it's a, they're, they're a fun, it's a fun series. Yeah. Well, and I, I've always d- dug those out of continuity stories, the what ifs, the, the time travel alternate timeline episodes, you know, the mirror universe, uh, you know, that's always fun. So yeah. I kind of like this, even, even out of context, I kind of like, I like that. If, to me, I, I like this issue. It felt like, the setup, it's like a pilot episode to a good show. You know, they, it, it kind of set everything up and it was, it felt like it was a takeoff for a, a whole new series, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, it, it you know, you definitely could have played with that. It's just, uh, Jonah is not that much of a prick. That's really, <laughs> it's really hard for me to, yeah. Because if the one thing that jo- Jay Jonah is, is he's fiercely loyal to his employees. Ah, uh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, he is a, a, a blowhard, but it's like don't 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 mess with don't mess with the bugle staff. Mm, okay, you know, so that's that's kind of hard to to reconcile. I, I you know I I don't have the issue in front of me, so I, it might have read slightly differently. But uh, yeah, well, and that yeah. was one of the things. It seemed like he almost immediately regretted it. He kind of he got excited, printed it and everybody said you jerk and then he it seemed like he was kind of left like oh yeah that was kind of a kind of a dick move basically so yeah and he's well i mean he also <laughs> i mean he also did sick the scorpion on spider-man so <laughs> i mean he does have his fair share of, of foibles but uh yeah 
I think if he fi- he wouldn't he wouldn't have ran it out, Peter. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, that's I, I finished the issue and thought, man, that would that would have been kind of an interesting series to read. Maybe a kind of a the fugitive meets Spider Man. You know, kind of yeah. Peter on the run, almost a, a Bruce Banner. You know, wandering the the lonely highways with the lonely man theme playing in the background. <laughs> the lonely Spider Man. <laughs> yep, the lonely Spider Man theme. So, but I, I, I dug it. It had great art and it was really cool. And, and I, I really liked it. And I liked that, um, you know, I read a few just random kind of Marvel issues from, from this year, um, in, in the spirit of back to the bins. And it was neat that for the most part, I could follow every issue I read, even though there might be one or two characters. I didn't know who they were Yeah. But for the most part. They did a really good job of kind of trying to, you know, every issue being, somebody's first issue yeah see i haven't read really anything new so i don't know i mean growing up reading stuff you know there'd always be caption boxes that always be the little asterisk saying this happened in blah 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 issue you know um and it just seems like they don't do that anymore it's uh, you know you kind of have to be in it full border oh yeah it's very it's very hard to jump into a comic nowadays yeah well that was you know a couple years ago I remember listening to an episode of Views from the Long Box, and um, Mike was talking about getting into comics, and so and he said, you know, just pick a character and dive in, and that's what I I did, and um, I, I picked Green Lantern because I'd really liked the uh, animated movie First Flight. Yeah, and so I went, yeah, I like sci-fi, and you know, I like superheroes, and so I, it was a no-brainer to me. I was like, I'll, I'll yeah. go with Green Lantern, and so and it was easy because they had rebooted green lantern just before that so i started with rebirth and kind of went from there and and at the time that i started reading it was the middle of the blackest night event gotcha so i really liked everything because i you know i found a place to jump in and it was really it was okay for all through you know rebirth and the first part of the green lantern run and all through the sinestro Corps war and that was like really awesome and you know great stories great artwork and then it got to blackest night and I got completely lost because, you know, a lot of a lot of DC history coming at you. Holy crap! You know, and I just was like, I don't even. Whoa! You know, I felt like I was watching season fifteen of some show that I had not seen one episode of. And then to cap it off, then it it, it didn't even end. It basically ended with the beginning of the next event, and I was like, you sons of bitches, I'm out. So I quit. <laughs> reading com i'm like i quit i was going to the comic book shop and buying new issues and then i got to the end of that and i was like yeah i'm out that does happen but i never but reading these back issues i never get that feeling i always feel like i can kind of die no. wherever and and it's not too bad and no pretty much any marvel or dc book up through you know the 90s mm-hmm. you, you can you can grab it and you'll you'll get enough background in it yeah to be yeah. able to figure out what's going on. I mean, unless it's, you know, maybe one of the X titles, because those are <laughs> so dense. <laughs> a little dense, yeah. So my overall grade for this one, um, I have to give it uh, an A. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really cool. I thought the art was great and the writing was good. And um, I wanted more. I, I went to the web and, and tried to see if I could find if there's any follow-ups to this. I don't think there was. No, so. what if didn't really... Never really follow up on stuff. No, it was just a one shot. You know, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Here's this wacky story and dun 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 every issue. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Gotcha. 
All right, well, that's me. That's uh, what if number 24. Thumbs up from Dave, so for what it's worth. All right. I could not read the issue, so I will just have to say it sounded interesting. <laughs> All right. And since it's Assistant Editor's Month, I also picked a Marvel title because we can do whatever the hell we want. It's our show, bitches. That's right. There's no rules here. Only our rules. And we don't even have to play by our own rules. There's no consistency is the only rule. Yeah. Yeah. Zero consistency is the only consistency. Yep. All right. So before I even get into the issue, um, got to talk about this. The, the book that I that I have picked tonight is uh, it's a 90s book, but it's a it's a it's a 90, 1991 book. So it wasn't really the 90s yet. Ah, it was still, um, still bleed over from the eighties. Yeah. Yes, um, and it's a t- it's it's the first issue of the last comic book series I read with with my childhood slash teenage mentality. Mm. Uh, so it's really it's the first issue of the last run of books that I have a true nostalgia for. Gotcha. Uh, and it is a very little known Marvel title. That got pretty much buried once the 90s got into full bore. And it's also, um, it's not the easiest series to jump into because it's so wacky, wackadoo-doo. Uh, that being said, um, the title of the book is Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker? Yes. Okay. Uh, it is from, let's see, what is the cover date? The cover date was June of 91, but it was pub, uh, was on sale in April of 91. It cost you 100 whole cents to buy mm. this full, pay, uh, full you know, 32-page, 23-page story issue. It was written and colored by Bob Budiansky. The artist for the interior and the cover was Brett Blevins, and the letterer was Tom Orzakowski. Uh, the title of the story is called To Sleep Perchance to Scream. Ha, ha, ha. See what they did there. Mm. Uh, and the cover of the issue has a seven-foot-tall, green-skinned humanoid with an insect-like face and red eyes wearing a purple hood, uh, purple leggings, purple gloves, and a blue bodysuit emitting these pink beams from his eyes and wrapping a thug up in the pavement from the street while frightened onlookers stare in amazement at him. Hmm. And it says at the very top, first issue, exclamation point, collector's item, exclamation point, Sleepwalker, Marvel's newest superhero, Evildoer's worst nightmare. Nice. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's a... When this when, when Marvel was pimping this initially, they, they were calling it um, Sandman done right. Which this book is nothing like DC Sandman at, in any way, shape, or form. Don't don't get it twisted. Um, this is much closer to 60s style Marvel stories. Um, why don't we Why don't we jump into it now? D- Dave hasn't read this, so he's gonna have to listen to my my synopsis. Uh, we open up with a blonde mulleted, yes, a true mullet. Mm. Blonde mulleted teenager playing some basketball when all of a sudden a purple handed purple gloved hand grabs the basketball and we turn the page and there's the reveal of the sleepwalker and all his ominous 
gangly glory with his with his hood all cool and he's towering over our as yet unnamed teenager grabbing the basketball and he makes the basketball dissolve in his hand and uh the teenager looks into his eyes and all of a sudden the teenager wakes up it was all a dream so teenager gets up we don't know his name yet which is really lame because you know you should probably know by now it's his first issue we gotta know who this guy is right Mm -hmm. so blonde teenager wakes up on the tv there's a news report about spider-man tangling with a villain called eight ball who has a eight ball on his, as his helmet. Nice. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that's the only time he's in this issue. He does come back in the later issues. But uh, so we're introduced to our teenager, and he's and he's he's tired. He's thinking about the weird dream that he had. He meets up with his girlfriend, and she's like, "Hey, Earth to Rick." Oh, finally, he gets a name. His name's Rick. His girlfriend's name is Alyssa. We find out that he is a film major um, at Metropolitan University. Hmm. And, uh, yes, Alyssa and Rick are, you know, teenagers in love. Um, I'm not going to sing the song. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we get to, you know, another point where uh, we move a little further on. Rick's going home to his apartment. There's some thugs giving some grief to the landlord. And, uh, you know, he gets him to leave. He goes into his room. He crashes asleep. And then he starts having this dream. He's on a beach. And his girlfriend's there. And she's in a bikini. Nice. And, oh, yeah. And uh, then you turn on the page, and there's a full-page color ad for the Rocketeer. Nice. Awesome. It just says Rocketeer, June 21st. And quite frankly, that's all you need to know. All right, mm. so back to the story. So the beach dream is interrupted by the green-skinned humanoid rising up out of the water, and Rick in the dream starts to tangle with the sleepwalker. And Sleepwalker uses his eye beams on the ground and makes a big tunnel. And it looks like Rick's going to fall down it. And uh, as he's doing that, he grabs, there's a yellow star-shaped badge on the Sleepwalker's left breast that he grabs. And then all of a sudden the Sleepwalker disappears and Rick stays soundly asleep. He wakes up in the morning and finds that his window is open there's a cool draft coming in but he didn't leave the window open and on the radio in the background there's a report about a mysterious creature foiling some you know some gang activity and then actually it's on the tv so the you know the tv comes on and then there's a, a police sketch of what the you know the of the sleepwalker and rick's going oh my god that's the that's the thing from my dream and uh we get to the the next set of the section of the story is uh, Rick being all pensive about the fact that you know something weird's going on, and he and his girlfriend are at Coney Island, and she drags him onto the haunted house ride. And now Paul will have to tell us: is there actually a haunted house ride at Coney Island? Was there ever? I'd be curious to know. She drags <laughs> him onto the haunted house ride. He dozes off on the haunted house ride, and as soon as he falls asleep. The sleepwalker appears right in front of him, being all menacing looking and everything. And Elisa shakes Rick and wakes him up, and the sleepwalker disappears. So now he's getting to the point where he's thinking, like, oh my god, what? can I sleep again? What? It seems like whenever I sleep, this guy comes. What, what can I do? I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a very good page of a very, very tired-looking Rick. Like, there's a ghostly image of him in the middle of the page, and all around it is, like, him 
uh, trying to read and study and play basketball and stuff, and his grades are declining. It's just, you know, the last panel of it is him making coffee, and he just looks like crap. Hmm. It's it's awesome. Uh, you know, he's all asleep. He's going to buy coffee, and Alyssa's with him. And uh, they go into a little, you know, a little convenience store, and uh, the same thugs that were hassling his landlord earlier come in, and they're about to rip rip the store off. They recognize Rick, and one of them pistol whips him, and he passes out. Oh. And I guess we know what's going to happen once he passes out, right? Yeah, Freddy's going to show up. Well, no, it's not Freddy. But as he slips into unconsciousness, the sleepwalker rises up. He gets shot for his trouble. He hasn't even done anything to anybody yet. He just gets he gets plugged, and then he uh, he wakes up. Well, he doesn't wake up, because later on you find out in the story sleepwalkers don't sleep um, mm-hmm. in a couple issues. But uh, he gets up after being shot. He hasn't said anything yet. He runs outside, and the the crooks are in a you know they're in their getaway car, and he flashes his eye beam vision on a uh, telephone uh, lamppost. Excuse me. And it bends and wraps and grabs the car and it, you know, stops them and they fly out of the windshield. And then he pick, uses a mailbox to like entrap them with the eye beams. He can like warp everything. And uh, then one of them clubs him with a, a, a steel pipe. And he just looks at it and he's like, no. And he just grabs the pipe and like bends it. Then all these onlookers come over and they're like, what are you doing to these kids? Blah, 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 blah. You get, you know, let's kill this guy. He's weird. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the sleepwalker just uh, he you know he points the eye beam at the ground and and he wraps the guy up in the pavement like on the cover. Hey, remember when stuff on the cover actually happened in the issues? Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, and this was the '90s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he stops all the thugs. He wraps one of them up in a light pole. One of them's in the mailbox. Everything and uh, Alyssa sees all this and she's asking the, the sleepwalker, "Are you okay?" And at the same time, the convenience store clerk is trying to wake Rick up and ask him if he's okay. And Elisa asks, who are you? And in a really cool speech bubble with a uh, real jagged looking, and there's like a pink ring on the inside of the speech bubble. Hmm. It says, I am a sleepwalker. And that's the only thing the sleepwalker says in this entire issue. Um, So eventually Rick comes around. And as soon as he does, the sleepwalker fades into nothingness and... Lisa and Rick start talking and, and you know, he says, I'm all right. But he's thinking, how am I ever going to sleep again? You know, and Alyssa says, are you OK, Rick? Tell me you're all right. And he says, I don't know, Alyssa. I just don't know. So then the, the cover blurb for the end of the issue is the mystery of Sleepwalker deepens. Rick loses more sleep and Marvel's most spherical supervillain debuts, the enigmatic eight ball. Now, with cover copy like that, how could you not want to read the next issue after they already teased him on the TV in the issue? Uh, this series, this series, you can read this whole series. It's only like 36 issues and it is the progression of a very interesting idea with a very distinct looking hero who is not super muscle bound. There's no pouches. It's very, there's a lot of camp to it to a certain degree with a very interesting idea behind it. Um, it's almost firestorm esque where, you know, it's, not Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein joining together to make one entity, but it's every time Rick falls asleep, the sleepwalker is able to go out. Um, so you can obviously imagine that leads to certain points where it's like, oh crap, I gotta fall asleep right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, oh crap, I don't, I can't wake up right now, 
you know, <laughs> which they milk for all it's worth in, in future issues. But the rogues gallery for the Sleepwalker was one of the reasons I really dug it. It's very 60s Marvel. It's almost Batman 66 TV show style to a certain degree. Really? Uh, I mean, it's like, aside from 8-Ball, who's a crook with a jet-propelled um, kinetic billiard cue, yeah, just take that in. Take that in. Okay. Like, he'll, he'll, like, pick up... I probably should have read the second issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he'll, like, he'll take a sewer cover and he'll, you know, put it vertically and then he'll, like, hit it with this billiard cue and it'll go flying and stuff and it's just really good. And they have, like... And they have, like, little bubble cars that look like, you know, the billiard balls, like him and his gang. Like, he has a gang and they're, like, you know, the nine ball and the one ball and the three ball. You know, it's it's so goofy, but it's so much fun. You know, we, we, we do end up learning more about Alyssa and Rick's relationship. And, you know, they're very much in love. Um, and Sleepwalker is... His mystery isn't even really, like, fully told until like the third or fourth issue. Like you don't find everything about them that you need to, to, you know, like it nowadays, those three issues would probably be eight, you know? Uh, um, yeah. But it's, you know, it kept the mystery going at the beginning as to like, what is this guy? Where is he from? What's his deal? And eventually you find out, you know, you find out more about him. He's he's a sleepwalker. They're basically like the dream police. They live inside of my head. Um, <laughs> but that's basically what they are. Is like they, you know, they there's a, a Doctor Strange villain called Cobweb. Um, I believe. I think it was. Oh, night. No, Nightmare. Nightmare is in here. He's a Doctor Strange villain, and he, you know, sleepwalker ends up tangling with him, and uh, you know, then you know, like he he also gets his you know, evil foil character. That was cobweb. It's just, it's so bizarre, but it's like, it's, but you do see the progression of it as a, a very interesting idea that goes full blown nineties by the time the, the series was canceled Ah, to where the art style completely changes and sleepwalker isn't drawn as like a seven foot tall spindly alien looking thing. Mm-hmm. He's still got the green face and he still has the same outfit, but he's jacked. Mm. I mean, he's like massive. Gotcha. He's almost Ditko Spider-Man-esque on the cover of the of the, of the first one, and he stays that way until um, Bob Budiansky, I mean, uh, Brett Levins, the, the artist, leaves the title, and then they get another guy on, and it's completely different art. It, it, it looks ridiculous, and it, it's, it also is one of those 90s series that felt like it needed to have a Marvel universe guest in every issue just to help it sell i mean honest to god it could almost be marvel team up sleepwalker with somebody um i mean within his first dozen issues i think he's teamed up with spider-man twice (laughs) ghost rider because you know it's the 90s you had to have ghost rider in there baby somewhere yeah deathlock deathlock is in this uh it's just it's a fun series. It's the last series that I, you know, it's, and I think it's really the only series that I have every single issue of it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's only like 36 issues though. And an annual, actually a holiday special, excuse me, you know, but this it's, it's, he came out at like the same time as like dark Hawk. And I think like the fool killer and uh, the only character from like that wave of, you know, the, the rookie characters from that year that's still around in some capacity is dark Hawk. So 
it's it's an interesting time capsule. It's an interesting read. It is not Sandman. It does not purport to be Sandman. That's Marvel's hype machine trying to do that. It's just it's an idea that Bob Budiansky had back in the seventies um, after he saw the movie Alien. The original title of this was going to be The Alien. Oh, okay. um, but then the movie Alien came out and he shelved it for a while and he just he wanted to do something, you know, a hero that wasn't human at all, that was coming from somewhere else, uh, that had some mystery to it. And it does have some mystery to it. And it also has some good rollicking, you know, superhero type stuff in it because there's a lot of Stranger in a Strange Land in it, too. The Sleepwalker doesn't understand everything about us. So you get to, you know, you get to see him. Uh, Foolish to... mortals. Yeah. Uh, he's not that pompous. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, but there's just a lot he doesn't know. Like, right. So eventually he ends up tangling with Spider-Man, and they actually th- make a very good use of how are Rick and Sleepwalker are going to communicate um, if it's not through a dream. And you know, Later on, he, after he tussles with Spider-Man, he draws a little picture of Spider-Man's face, and he writes, good or evil, question mark underneath the picture of it you know for rick to you know circle when he wakes up and i think eventually ends up using like the answering machine to leave him messages and stuff so i mean it was well thought out in terms of you know keeping it you have to you know poor rick he's not he's not the hero but he's the the entryway for sleepwalker to uh come into the world all because he ripped the little badge off that's the other thing he ripped when he ripped the badge off sleepwalker that's why sleepwalker is stuck in his unconscious um so it's that's the other thrust of the story is sleepwalker trying to find his imaginator that's what it's called the Hmm. imaginator um so that he can you know go back to doing his dream police job um you know we get some more cool villains we get eight ball we get lullaby we get bookworm we get cobweb we get uh oh jeez i can't even remember but if you want to read a fun 90s title with uh interesting villains and uh <laughs> all sorts of wackiness uh you know it's just it's fun stuff and i and i i really wish it had continued um i mean it did actually wrap up though they did give it an ending oh good yeah, I think they knew their time. Because by the time it ended, I mean, 36 issues. So, you know, we're into late 94, and we all know what 94, 95, 96 was for comics. Mm. It was not going to be a place for an original idea to thrive. Right. Um, so it just it's one of those things that I think just had the bad misfortune of coming out too late or too early. But uh, I highly recommend it. If you can find these in the back issue bins, they're going to cost you a song, and that's it. They're not going to. I mean, if you have to pay more than a quarter for any of these issues, you're going to the wrong comic book store because they're, they're they're not worth anything at all, <laughs> except to me, <laughs> as well, they sit lovingly in my long box. I searched. I searched on Marvel Unlimited, and they don't have it yet. So, hopefully. and you know what? They won't because <laughs> no one gives a shit about this series except for me. <laughs> well, I, I probably, do now. I oh, that's good. <laughs> I I am the only. I am probably the only person who has a complete collection of this bagged and boarded, ready to go. Ready to go. I, you know, if I, I I have no desire to ever get my comic books bound, but if I did. It would just be Sleepwalker, just because I could be like, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who got his his entire run of Sleepwalker in a bound leather 
edition with a foil stamp on it. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I probably should. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I got to talk about a couple of the ads that are in here, though, because I wouldn't be back to the bins without talking about the ads. Yes, please do. I I had no ads because I, I, I again yeah. I, I read it off my iPad on Marvel Unlimited, so I didn't get any awesome awesome ads. Yeah, the back cover ad is for All Star Challenge NBA All Star Challenge for the Game Boy original Game Boy, the gray brick with the monochrome screen that was nice. not backlit. Nope. Took four double A's, baby. Oh man. Uh, the inside cover ad is for the Battletoads video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which, if you've ever played it, is one of the hardest <laughs> Nintendo games ever. <laughs> ever. It's insanely difficult. Oh, yeah. Go, go, go! YouTube it. Watch the watch the the level where you have to ride like on the the space surfboards. It's it's almost impossible. Mm. There are more ads for baseball cards in this than I think I've ever seen in any other comic book. We got, you know, some for Flair and some for Upper Deck. Back when Upper Deck was new and they were the the hot new card because they had like they were glossy on both sides and they were all high quality and shit. And they had little holograms in the corner, so you knew they weren't fake. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Are there any more good ones in here? The Rocketeer one, obviously. Dungeons and Dragons staple in Marvel Comics in the '80s. The ads for Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Yep, the big red dragon demony thing and a warrior about to fight it. Oh, it's good stuff. Sweet. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the upper deck. The upper deck ad is a three-page glossy ad in the middle of the book. Whoa. Yeah. So they had the money. Oh, the science fiction book club. Choose any five for one dollar with membership. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, and I had a subscription to that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of books that way. I never yeah. could get 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 one of those. I never could convince any parent to let me sign up for one of those. Like, well, my my dad's kind of a nerd too, so it was like, if you're gonna read the mm, books, then mm-hmm. we'll get it. Yeah, I was yeah, stuck with the library back then, but yeah, I remember those ads. Those are good stuff. That's that's how I got my my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy hardcovers, which I no longer have. I don't know what happened to them. I'm bullshit mm. about that. Uh, oh, NBA cards that I don't care about. A bullpen bulletins that I'm not going to read because it's too freaking long. A sweet, sweet ad for a T-shirt with 50 years of Captain America and other heroes on it. And it's just, it's a rad picture of Cap holding the American flag with his shield held in his left hand straight up. And then like a whole stable of Marvel characters. You know, you got Daredevil and Spidey and the Thing and the Red Skull all just like horizontally across the middle of the shirt. And it's just, oh man, it's cool. I kind of wish I had. Marvel used to have really cool t-shirt ads in their mm-hmm. books. Yeah. And I never was able to get one. <laughs> and of course the very, of the obligatory last page in a Marvel comic book from the, from the, you know, seventies, eighties and nineties subscribe and save. And you get to, you know, print out the, uh, you know, check off the little, the little check boxes for all your titles. Mm. Oh, 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 order one title and deduct two fifty. Oh man, so you could get yeah, you get twelve dollars. Oh man, twelve twelve dollars for twelve for twelve issues. Oh man, there's so many. And then you know the savings only increased as you got more. Oh yeah, but then there were some other titles that were a little bit more expensive, like Alpha Flight and uh, Robocop, oh. Conan Saga. There you go. The Nam. Deathlock, 
Punisher War Journal. Oh my god. Savage Sword of Conan, twenty seven dollars for oh. twelve issues. Dude. That yeah. was that was one of the few comic book series I actually bought as a kid. Yeah. Savage Sword of Conan. Oh, Toxic Avenger. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> I think I, I used to have an issue with that floating around somewhere. Did you? Yeah. How did that how did uh, what how did Troma get Marvel to get that title as one of their published things? Yeah, who knows? And this was the Toxic Avenger, not the Toxic Crusader, not the not the the comic that Marvel did based on the cartoon. This is uh, straight up the Troma Films Toxic Avenger. Yes. Had a title. Yes. Wow. It was Marvel in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> well, you shouldn't be. I mean, they, I mean, come on. They gave us they gave us Star Wars and Planet <laughs> of the Apes comics. Yeah. Sure. Spider Ham. I used to have issues with Spider. Oh my God. I love the spectacular Spider Ham. <laughs> I, you know what? If somebody's got a complete run of that, let me know. I, I'd probably be willing to take it off your hands for you. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, that 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 year, I, I I bought Savage Sword of Conan and Spider Ham. Like, That's hey, <laughs> you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. There was nothing wrong with an R-rated black and white comic magazine, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and then a you know a, a humor book. Yep. Yeah, it worked. It worked. Oh yeah, Spider Ham's good stuff. Yep. It's delicious. Peter Porker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. But uh, yeah, Sleepwalker. Check it out, people. Go find it in your back issue bins. Nice. Read it. Enjoy it. And uh, the other reason I picked this is because I plan on covering every single issue of this in a small podcast series. And now that I've said it on the air, I have to do it. Uh, nice. It's been kicking around in my brain since I started listening to Back to the Bins when it was Scott and the other guy. So <laughs> He who shall like, not be named. Uh, I think I remember his name, but I will not say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, it's been one of those things that I've wanted to do for a while, and now that I've you know busted that cherry, I guess go. I got to go all the way. Let's go all the way. Um, yeah. There you go. This is what you get for assistant editors month, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when when uh, Bill and Paul hand us the keys and walk away. So you know. Yes, just like Spider Man, no more with his suit in the trash, mm-hmm. walking away. Yep. It's like I tell my kids, you get what you get and you don't pitch your Don't fit. get upset. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> my imaginary kids, I tell them the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we regale them with stories of rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> Only stories, though. Not not Nothing rock and roll ever happened to me. Nah, me neither. No. Except the Iron Sheik was at the same restaurant I was having my surprise 30th birthday party at. Really? Yes. Nice. Yeah. The Iron Sheik. Wow. Yes. That's random. It is random. But, you know, <laughs> hey, that's about the most rock and roll thing that ever happened to me. Ah, nice. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks podcast group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, 
which you may find at www.2truefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Take a moment to stop by and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Excellent. So, yes, yes, yes. It was very yes. I am very excited. I will be seeing them in 12 days. Ah, oh, 12 days. Nice. Yeah. I, I, s- I saw um, a little blurb on uh, Rolling Stone about the new concert, and it was getting some pretty rave reviews. So I've, I've watched some, some footage on YouTube. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Adam Lambert is, is not does not have the showmanship of Freddy, but then again, who does? Nobody. Nobody. And, and, and honestly, I've, I've watched the concerts with, with Paul Rogers and I liked what Paul Rogers was doing with it, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, I'm just really excited. I don't, you know, that yeah. they're pretty much, they're pretty much the last band on my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Got to, uh, yeah, I would, I mean, you know, it's, uh, one of those things where it's like, damn, I wish I could have seen them in their hate. Oh, hell yeah. So, but I mean, I was 10 when they, you know, the last tour, so it was a little way before my time. Yeah, what was the, so what out, was that Miracle? Did they tour for the Miracle? No, I don't think they did. I think, because the article I was reading, in fact, I should find, you know what, let me find the post and send you a little link real fast. All right. so it was a really good article that they just posted, um, like just last week, um, uh, about Queen, and um, right here, yeah, it's called this album's called Queen's Tragic Rhapsody, and uh, it's kind of a good, cool uh, recap here. Let me, uh, let's see, where's the where's the button for? There we go. Button, button. Who's got the button? Exactly. Um, yeah, I think they said that basically at the end of the 86 tour, like he basically like essentially like ran off stage and that was the end of them touring. I think he found out he was sick like right after that. Cuz it basically the article basically says that, you know, the the 85 Live Aid concert was a big um kind of a comeback for them. Yeah. They were kind of on the down downward spiral. And so, uh, yeah, so uh, there was the, a kind of magic tour in, like, summer of 86. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it says the last show was August 9th of 86. They played oh. in uh, Ken- Nebworth Park for about 200,000 people, and that's it. Oh. He left the concert hurriedly, and that was it. Um, you know, and I think that was when... Sometime around then, he found out that he had full-blown AIDS. And then it was uh, from there. Not HIV, but full-blown AIDS. <laughs> I know, right? I, I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I know. Oh, that's some of the funniest crap ever. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it's awful. We're all going to hell for laughing at that. But, yeah, uh, well, I'm going to hell anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Might as well enjoy the ride. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, it said like the miracle was finished in '89, and he immediately wanted to just start another album. So it was pretty much, and then I guess it was after they finished that album that he told them. Ugh. So I guess from '86 to '89, he he kept it under wraps. So. Yeah, he was not very open about it. Yeah. So. 
then again, it's nobody else's friggin' business anyway. So yeah, but yeah, it's a good article. If you get a chance, give them. Yeah, I book I bookmarked it. I'll be, I will be reading it. I want to watch the documentary again. I found that on YouTube the other day. You know the one. Uh, oh jeez, what was it? I can't remember. Uh, I've I've probably seen it. I've watched. Yeah, I think I've seen it um, before, but I wanted to watch it again because it's been a long time. What was it? Do do do. What's it called? Days of Our Lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was watching yeah. that today. It was really good. But, um, oh yeah. yeah, I can watch. I can watch in, interviews with Freddie. Yeah. Uh, all day. Yeah, I've just been on a big kick ever since uh, the long play episode that Sean yeah. and Chris did. So. Oh yeah, I mean, you sh- I'm sure eventually every Queen album is going to get covered on that. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because I um. You know, that's that happens with me. The Queen, I'll get really into them, and then they'll just kind of get on the back burner for a while, and then and then I'll kind of rediscover them. And every it's funny, and every time I do, it usually involves finding a new song of theirs that I've never really heard. Yeah. And the last time was when uh, it was when they used uh, uh, "I Want to Break Free" in that commercial, and I was like, "How have I never heard this freaking song before?" Because well, MTV banned the video. Yeah, and I was just like, and I think I remember when I went back and watched the video, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this back in the day, but I was only, you know, eight, I think, so I'd kind of forgotten, because that was what what happened for me, like, I had this, like, summer of MTV. (laughs) The summer of MTV. Yeah, well, that's how, in my mind, that's how I see it, because it was like, I had a cousin that came to stay with us for the summer. She was kind of, she was a teenager and, and her parents were sick of her. And so they shipped her <laughs> off to, to come live with us. And I was, and I was living with my aunt and uncle at the time, basically for kind of similar reasons. My parents were in the middle of their marriage dying out. So I was staying with my aunt and uncle to kind of give them a break. And so she came down, you know, and that was, I, I don't know if that was the summer that MTV launched, but she was way into it and she lived in some podunk town in Utah and didn't have access to it. And my parents or my, you know, my adoptive parents, my uncle at the time, they did. And so (laughs) I basically, you know, she basically hogged the television, you know? And so (laughs) I watched a metric crap ton of MTV, like when I probably shouldn't have been watching it. So (laughs) nice, but that's what I remember. I remember like, I remember, I remember, and Queen's videos were some of the ones that like I that stuck with me. I remember like that one a little bit, but especially like Radio Gaga. I remember. Oh yeah. That video really, you know. I remember watching it. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. So. But, yeah, I, I know. A couple of years ago, I was. It was just hilarious because I, they used that song in the commercial. I want to break free. And I was just like, how in the hell did I like just miss this song? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, and then like what, like two weeks ago was the same thing with, with dragon attack. I was like, what? Oh the my hell? God. Like, See, that's the one that's been on my iPod for like, I, oh, that was just, it's so good. Oh my gosh. I, the first time I heard it, that was like, holy crap. They did it again. I just found another awesome, you know, deep cut track that I'd never heard before. And so, but you know that's me. I, you know I'm the. You know I came into listening to Clean really on the Greatest Hits album. So it's like you know, uh, classic Queen. 
Yeah, I think that was the one. I think I think it was that one. Because I remember, yeah, it was Classic Queen was the first one. And then, um, and then I think we got a hold of uh, Greatest Hits later that summer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic Queen was the first one. We listened to the hell out of that album. And we were, me and my buddy, we were painting houses for a summer in Arizona, which was, you know, horrendous. Oh. Yeah. When you're young and dumb. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the dumbest part is that we, like, we literally did it like wearing like jeans and knee pads and nothing else. No shirts, just out there, just getting fried day after day. Like, just, yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with getting a tan. Yeah. Oh, we were, oh man, we were so tan. Yeah. And then, yeah, we didn't find, because I think there was Brothers albums. So we didn't get, we couldn't find the CD till like much later. We finally grabbed a hold of Greatest Hits. So, and we just never, yeah. And see, I Want to Break Free is the last track. And we just would never quite get there. You know what I mean? We'd yeah. never quite get to the end before somebody would make us turn it off because we were really, we were really, we were really playing it really loud. So let's do it. Hey, man, you gotta <laughs> play it at the appropriate volume level. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, yeah, his because his parents had it. It was funny because his parents didn't have any money. Like he was, he was a pretty poor kid, but they had this killer stereo. Nice. Just, you know, the big giant, you know, like the big 12-inch subwoofers, you know, just the big monstrous things. And, like, yeah, we really cranked up the queen that summer. Nice. So, yeah, that was – that was and that was pretty much when I switched from – at that point, I'd been listening to nothing but, you know, top 40 since the 80s and my parents. And I pretty much went back into, like, the 70s and, and got into the classic rock. Is that freedom rock? Yeah. Well, turn, turn it, it up. up, man. Yeah, nice. that it's that was me. I pretty much like I pretty I switched to the classic rock station, ninety three point three KDKB rocks Arizona, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was it, man. I just pretty much was like, holy shit, and it was like from there to like we 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 had Pink Floyd on vinyl, Dark Side of the Moon, oh, and we yeah. found like the fold out poster inside of it. Like and it was like finding treasure. We were like, "Holy shit!" And we like hung it up on the wall and like sat there listening to Dark Side of the Moon over and over. And then and then Zeppelin came shortly after that. And nice. yeah, that was pretty much you know. Then I, for a straight decade, that's about all I listened to was you know was classic album rock. So that's pretty much all I still listen to. Yeah, and that's pretty seventies and eighties. Pretty much, me too. Yeah, I pretty much. I mean, I'll do the the pop and some of the new wave crap too. And but yeah, pretty much me and music. You know, once the '90s rolled around, I pretty much checked out. So me too. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, it's getting a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to know where to look now. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. It's not going to be on the top forty. No. Mm-mm. No. Well, it's funny. Just this. My wife and I have always been at odds with music because she really, <laughs> she kind of really liked '90s music. But on, just on this last road trip, I was playing, you know, Queen. I was playing Queen live, and um, and she was like, and she was, yeah, this is really good. And I was like, I know. And and for the first time in our marriage, you know, she basically copped to the fact that a, a lot of that '90s music she used to like. She was like, yeah, they're they're pretty sucky. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's not like you had to endure, uh, you know, on Vogue and uh, mm-hmm. Ace of Base and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
or as I like to call them, ABBA Mark II. ABBA Mark II. <laughs> but not as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because I love me some ABBA. I'll say it. You heard it here first on, on Back to the Bins, folks. Dude, ABBA is awesome stuff. That's all I have to say. I, yeah. I was listening to uh, My 70s TV. Have you, have you seen those? That thing I linked the other day with My80sTV.com. And my oh, 70s. yeah, yeah. It just does little YouTube clips. Yeah, I got I got sucked into some ABBA the other day. It was pretty funny. Can't go wrong with that, man. <laughs> yeah, I was I was hypnotically entranced by the video for Fernando. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what this song's about, but it's crazy and it's seventies and I love it. So, if you really want to get entranced by one of the most boring videos ever, mm-hmm. uh, Freda, whatever her name is, Knudsen or Waffle Bargain or. You know the the chick there from ABBA. Mm-hmm. She had a, she had a kick ass song in the eighties. I I know there's something going on, and the video for it is quite possibly the lamest video you'll ever oh, see. Oh yes, yes, I know that song. Oh my gosh, I'll have to watch that one. Great yeah. song, horrible horrible video. video. Yeah, yeah, that early some of those early eighties music videos were pretty pretty awful. Yeah, but that's all we had. Oh, I know, I know. I remember watching them. I mean, you know. I, that, we, well, it's funny we were talking about that because my wife <laughs> we got on that subject because we were talking about the meaning of radio gaga and because <laughs> she was asking me like what the hell is this song about and i was like well it's about <laughs> growing up with only the radio yeah and, and about music videos and we were talking about you know for every like awesome music video from the 80s there was like just tons of crap oh yeah so hey but it but you know it's sold it's sold man mm-hmm. yes it did and then videos became million dollar uh, productions, and it's like, okay, I'm looking squarely at you, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember those. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Oh man. Yeah, and if you took all the crap out of those two albums and combined all the good stuff, you'd have a killer album. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan, but my God, there's a lot of fluff on those. Mm-hmm, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joy's super excited, so I kind of am. I mean, I, I'm excited, but I'm, I'm I'm dreading it at the same time. So Really? I love the eight movies, but I have the same thing with the Of the Dead movies. Okay. Because I love them, but I hate them. Because I'm, I'm 80s Star Wars kid, so I like happy, good guys, optimistic. You know what I mean? <sighs> it's an apes movie, dude. And 70s cynicism movies, I'm always like, oh! I love to hate him. I'm always like, oh, that ending. Oh, you know. Yeah, that <laughs> maybe it's the cynical bastard in me, but I yeah. love the fact that none of them really have a happy ending. Yeah. Well, you know, if it's done right, it's okay. You know what I mean? And it's happy ending in those as a matter matter perspective. So uh, Charlton Heston blew up the world, man. Yeah, see, yeah, geez. So I I'm curious. I'm curious to see what what happens with this. I'm kind of curious. I, I'm, I'm. I wonder if they would have the balls to like have it where the apes don't win or something. You know. <clears throat> I. I mean, I don't. Just because it would seems like it's it's almost like that prequel syndrome. It's like you know where everything's going, and so there's no surprises type scenario. I think the surprise. I I think it's going to be gut wrenching. Uh, I'm getting the feeling it's going to be. Yeah. It's, I'm getting the feeling it's going to be one of those ones where it's you know there's no bad guys, but it's just oh god, this situation is just out of control. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is fine with me. It'll be ballsy if they launch some nukes at the end of it, though. 
I'm curious uh, to see what happens. Yeah, I know. I just I just want to reveal my inmost self to my God. <laughs> well, I wonder if I mean if they ever come out and said like they're purposely like trying to make it so it matches up with the original film, is that like their intent? I don't or? know. I mean, it's you know, the nods that they threw in, in Rise were great and it's like, you know what, if they do tie it in, great. If not, it's like, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely stoked. I'm I'm really excited. It's been a it's been a great summer. I've enjoyed all the movies I've seen. So I uh, I have as well. No no stinkers yet. So. I did. I well, Maleficent was okay. You know that's the only one I haven't seen. My wife she snuck out and saw it without me with the kids. So it's it's but. it's good. It's not it's not great. Right. Right. It's uh. That was not, the only one I was kind of fifty. I I was okay not seeing it in the theater. I was like, I can wait. Till. Um, yeah, I don't think you're gonna miss much seeing it on home video. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. So. It's uh, it's worth watching. I don't, it, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. But it mm. was, it was, it was cute. I guess. Gotcha. Yeah, that's my word for cute. It was cute. cute. It was cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't wait to do Running Man. I, because it was one that like, my memory I didn't like it for whatever reason. Well, and it wasn't the movie. I think it was because at the time, I didn't see The Running Man until after I'd started reading Stephen King big time. Okay. And I remember my copy of The Running Man had Arnold on the cover. And uh, that's not the story in the book. No, not at all. And so I remember when I saw the movie, I was just kind of like, "What the hell?" Like it just was was it published under. Did they put Stephen King's name on it, or was it under Bachman at the time? Um, I can't remember. See, I wish I don't even know if I still have it, but I remember like you know it was a reprint and it had you know a picture of Arnold in, in the yellow jump sheet on the cover, and I think it just said straight up Stephen King. I don't even think it said Bachman on it. I'm not sure, but I remember reading it and I was just like you know, and then I saw the movie and I was like, what the what, you know? And I maybe I saw the movie first. I honestly can't remember, but it was just one of those ones that I didn't really. Um, watch that much and then when we decided we were going to cover it you know for a commentary I rewatched it and I was like holy shit this is awesome Like, oh Running Man's great it's way underrated it oh is. yeah like and Arnold is just like a smart ass and kind of like, yep. like he's, a, he's a very different character than a lot of his other movies in this one I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and a lot of good supporting actors. and Oh, yeah. yeah I was just like, wow. Because in my mind, I had always kind of ranked it, like, right alongside, like, Raw Deal, you know. Raw Deal is probably, I think, the, less, the, the least entertaining movie he's ever made. Yep. Yep. Yeah, by far. All I remember of that is just, you should not drink and bake. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah. But, yeah, Running Man's awesome i can't wait to cover that one so oh oh which we're doing tomorrow oh yeah so that'll be fun i was <laughs> <laughs> uh, so bummed that they didn't they i saw the the promo picture of of superman i was like oh, i thought he was gonna have the trunks this time oh i know well they said they tweaked the suit so i don't know yeah they did but it's still basically the same suit yeah if they were gonna tweak it and not put the red trunks on they need to lose the black trim yeah, well, they, I've I've read Snyder said like, like Snyder's basically all but said I want the trunks, and DC basically told me, no way in hell. So, uh, yeah, that is that is all DC, and I've seen it in several different places with different yeah. people basically saying like that's 
that's DC. Yeah, because they got so because they got to pimp the new Superman. Yeah, and they should have given him their little red belt thingy. Yeah, uh, uh, they need something to break up that outfit. Ugh. Well, yeah, considering how many movies they're gonna make, I wouldn't be surprised if they start changing it for every movie. You know, yeah. because it it gives them something else to sell. So, yeah, you know, apparently would. superhero toys are not selling like they used to. I just read a report. Well, you know, it's funny. We were we were talking about um, we were talking about that just in the drive home. Um, we were uh, we were talking about that, and I was saying how like I think I think it's just because kids don't. I don't think kids play with toys anymore. <clears throat> well, it's like how many times can you market them the same Captain America, the same Iron Man, the same? Well, Hulk? well, see, and I, I think it's just simply a matter of like when we were kids, like when you and I were kids, and when like Scott and you know those three generations, we were reliving our movies. Our TV mm-hmm. shows and our comic books through our toys. Yeah. Because we didn't have access to them. But, like, my kids, anytime they want to watch Transformers, they can just watch Transformers. Anytime yeah. they want Star Wars, Marvel, DC, they just go watch it. And and I think, I think it's killing what toys were doing for us. You know, when so they, a video, so a video games. Yeah, well, yeah, and especially video games. Video, I mean, if you want to, if you want to play Transformers, I mean, you know, and those are like pretty crappy video games, but like, mm-hmm. like good video games are like, I mean, they blow anything you can do in your backyard with a toy out of the water, you know. Oh yeah, and I think that's just the way it is, you know. Like, I it sucks because I just I remember. You know, everybody, you know, me, the kid across, the, the two kids across the street, and then the other kid down the street, we'd get our action figures together, and it would be like... Oh, yeah. You know, well, it's massive like, battles. It's like, I remember having, I remember having a Batman and a Superman, and I think, you know, I'm not as up on the toys as everybody else, but I think they were Mego figures from somewhere in the mid-80s, you know? I had very few Migos. Yeah, the, I mean... Know, they were nice, and I remember, you know, and I remember playing with them. But it's like, but like my boys, like, you know, I mean, they, I, I, I keep getting more stuff, you know, every birthday and stuff. I'll get a few more toys, but, you know, I used to worry that my kids would screw with my stuff, and they don't touch it. You know what I mean? Because it's like they, they don't. I mean, like it's, it's not, you know, like my, I mean, like my kids will come ask me, they'll be like, I want to watch Superman, and I'll be like, which one do you want to watch? And they'll be like, I want to watch the new one, and so they'll go watch the new one, and then. Or they'll want to watch the old one. You know, they'll watch, you know, and they just, they'll watch it. And so the toys don't really, you know, like my son's got, he's got a boatload of Legos now. And he yeah. loves building them, but he doesn't like really play with them. Play with them, but yeah. Built. He just likes to build them and then, then, you know. But, yeah, I think that whole, you know, like you said, like video games, are totally filling that niche and then having access to the, um, the movies on demand basically now, I think, you know, why do, why do kids want to go collect all the toys that, you know, the only ones who want to collect are the ones like us that are are OCD and have to collect it all. And yeah. And I can't collect anymore. I don't, I I don't have space. I don't have time. I don't have the money. It's like, it's it's so expensive. It's so like, I mean, the last the last toy I tried to collect 
and I, and it got they got to a point where it was there was so many coming out I couldn't do it was when they relaunched the Star Wars figures in like '96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just I couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, I did the same. I I kind of I kind of skipped that, but then oh, you were lucky. But I remember when um when the Phantom Menace before it came out, I couldn't oh. help, I couldn't help myself and I started. I started buying stuff. I still have all of it, you know. And I, I couldn't. I, I was I was at Toys R Us at six in the morning. Yep. The day those came out before I went to class in college. Oh, it was mid midnight. I was there at midnight. Well, we have and... we have stupid blue laws in my town. Oh yeah. So, yeah, same thing for GameCube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody sure was there at like midnight. Oh and yeah. They're like, nope, six in the morning tomorrow. We'll let you in. We can't sell them until like eight. Yep. I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me! Yeah, and I was there. I was there and fighting over Darth Maul toys. Oh, I got Darth Maul. Yeah, I got I got a regular Darth Maul and I got him on the bike. Oh, the one on the bike is so good. Yeah, I got that one. That one had the cloth cape. Yeah, I, I remember springing like twenty bucks to get the the Mace Windu preview figure. I did not do that. That was a Walmart exclusive, I believe. Yeah, I got I picked it up at at my local comic book shop and. But yeah, like I mean, and that's it's funny because like that's part of the reason I've 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 always been very careful dabbling in comics because I didn't want I didn't want to wake the collector demon. Yeah, which is, with comics, it's yeah. I mean, so I I keep going to comic book shops and I'll basically only allow myself to get you know graphic novels so that I can go in and buy a you know and and read a story from start to finish and yeah, I can't even buy them anymore. Yeah, I, they're just too expensive. I just I download everything now. I can't afford it, and it has to be yeah. something I really want to read. Oh, it's hard. I know it's hard. I it's it's I always struggle because I'll go into the comic book shop and I'll just think, yeah, I've got this all in a torrent, so no thanks. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. And I had a torrent of Sleepwalker before my computer crashed, and now I can't find it. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Because now I get it like uh, I had to, I had to open up the plastic, man. Mm-hmm. I had to open it up, and then I got to smell that great '90s smell. Mm, oh yeah. yeah, old paper. Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> new comics don't smell. Nope, no. Nope. Sucks. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh, I still gotta send that thing to Andy. Shit. Do it. The license plate. Yeah, if they ever, if we ever, if I ever do backseat to the bins again, I actually have some old. I have like the greatest Batman stories ever told, volumes two, I think. Hmm. I have like a few. I have a few like trade paperbacks of comics that I bought, you know, random <laughs> at like Walden Books back in like the mid '90s, you know. Yeah. Oh, I had a I had a great torrent of Batman stuff before my computer crashed. It was like, mm-hmm. it was like arranged in chronological order. Like if you were gonna read, oh, yeah. like, and it was, but it was it was all just like. It was just like miniseries and graphic novels. Mm. It wasn't, you know, the regular uh, monthly issues. So it was like, yeah, you know, year one, then year two, and gotcha. all that stuff like in order. So like, if you wanted to try to read all the major stuff that happened, oh, yeah. oh I, I can't find that torrent again. It was a huge, huge torrent. Sure. Oh, yeah, and that's and that's what I like. I, I I do I like the graphic novel format just because I like being able to get. You know, a whole story. A whole story. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm rarely, if ever, disappointed by reading single issues. Don't get me wrong, but 
I just love like on my vacation I went to the little comic book shop that's literally was down the corner from my mother-in-law's house last week yeah. and, and went and just snagged a graphic novel because I knew I could just read well, it. what'd you get uh, I bought Hush uh, oh jeez <laughs> I liked it so but I'm yeah, sure, I don't know. great art but the story's kind of yeah that's yeah, I love the art. I love the art. So, I was that was uh, I was I was getting Batman when that was coming out. Mm-hmm. I think I have like two thirds of that story, and then I started dating for like the first time, and then it was like, well, I don't have money for comics anymore. Oh, jeez. Yeah, two thousand three is like when I stopped. Like I stopped once I got into high school, and then I started again when Straczynski came on, when Ultimate Spider-Man came out, and when Straczynski came on, amazing. Mm-hmm. I started. That's when I got back in, and then, then I started dating, and I had no more money. That's funny. Well, you know what's really funny is that, um, you know, I've so haphazardly bought comics over the years, and I know for a fact. Um, one of the little trades I have sitting over there on my shelf that I bought, you know, sometime in the mid '90s was Batman Tales of the the Demon, and uh, I know one oh. of these one of the issues in there Bill covered on on, on an episode of Back of the Bins, the Rachel Ghoul stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the one where uh, him and Batman are like sword fighting in the desert. Yeah, yep. Which I remember, I loved it, and then just like a couple books over on the shelf are like the alien comic book tie-in comics that Sean covered on an episode, you know, and mine are old enough that they weren't reprinted where they had to like change the names from, wow. from Newt and Hicks. So they still have the original names and stuff. So I just thought it was kind of funny that I have so few comics and yet, you know, even the few ones I have, um, have managed to get hit on, on a few episodes of back to the bins. So yeah, did you see the? Uh, did you see that new Alien game that's coming out? That looks awesome. Oh my god, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Alien and Isolation. The, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the expandable content is going to be what actually happened on the Nostromo originally. Oh, it's, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah. that's that's one of the kind of. I've always had a soft spot for <laughs> Alien video games, and uh, that one looks really good. Oh, I just. Uh, <sighs> I just I love the fact that the protagonist in that is going to be uh, Ripley's daughter. Yeah, like that is a fertile field to play in. Yep, that's a great. You idea. know, she actually went looking for her mom when she got old enough. Yep, I yeah. think that's phenomenal. It it looks awesome. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to play that one. I uh, did you ever play the Aliens vs Predator game from around like 1999? Um. I played, I think the the PC one. Yeah, that's the one. It. Yeah, where you could play as all three. Yep. Oh, yeah. I love that game. If you yeah, were playing, playing as the alien was hard. Oh yeah, it was. But, but it was you so could climb on the walls, which was cool. Yeah, that one was great when you figured out to finally like how to like sneak up on somebody and do the little mouth in a mouth bite thing. That was yeah. that was always good. Yeah. Yeah, but I remember playing the Alien Three game. Mm. Oh my god, was that game friggin' hard? I bet. I actually, the first Alien game I ever played was the computer one based on the first movie. Really? Where it was a top down view of like the schematic of the Nostromo. Wow. And it was like, 
it was very difficult. I could never beat it. I think the first one I ever played was the arcade. Oh, game Alien of a- No, oh, I, aliens? Think, I think just Aliens, the arcade game of Aliens. Oh, yeah. it's so good. It's so ridiculous, but so good. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that was that was a good one. I pumped a lot of quarters into that one. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> All the different alien things that would come. Oh, so cool. Mm-hmm. That was the, dri- pretty- the driving level sucked, but. Oh yeah, Ted. That one always got me. That one always got me. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I've played that emulated quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. There's. I, I'm so glad that you can play all the old uh, 80s coin-op games emulated now with unlimited quarters. Cause, geez, Hell yeah! Louise, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every one of those side-scroller games, man. Jeez, always like Superman. Remember the Superman one? Oh, it was horrible. My gosh. The red Superman? Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you or, played two players. Or, dude, remember RoboCop? The RoboCop game? Yep. Holy crap. I remember the Rambo one, the G.I. Joe one. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the Rambo one. Jeez. Yep. Did you ever play that shitty uh, Die Hard one? Oh, yeah. The I one that was that all one. the one that was all like quick time events where you had to just like hit smash oh, the no, button no, at the right no. time. No, I remember playing the one that was that came out after the three movies. Oh, okay. Uh, that one I don't think <laughs> I played. Was that one like yeah. Nakatomi Plaza or whatever is what it was called? Yeah, like the like the yeah you're in the Nakatomi building and you're not John McClane. Yeah, no. Uh, that one was fun. That was a beat 'em up. That yeah, was, that was that okay. Was, was... Yeah, the one that used to fr- frustrate me was the one that were like you put your quarter in it, and it was kind of like trying to be like like uh, Dragon's Lair. Yeah. You basically which... just had to like hit the button at the right time, you know, and yeah, that one kind of pissed me off. But I could never play Dragon's Lair. Oh, jeez, that game. Was I tried crazy. that beautiful, beautiful animation. I ended up buying it on DVD when it came out. Yeah, I remember when that when it when that came out, it was like a sixty dollar DVD. I'm like, I can't drop sixty bucks on this. Yeah, well, I found it somewhere for cheap, and uh, picked it up, or I think my friend picked. It. I can't remember why did why did we got rid of it, but I remember we had. I just watched it on the movie mode. I just watched. Yeah, it. that's probably what I would have done too. <laughs> I was just like, all right, just play the damn movie. Did they did they release Dragon's Lair two and Space Ace as well? Yep, they did. And all of them you could, like, just watch it as a movie. And the sad part was how short it was when you would watch it as a movie. Oh, yeah, it's probably only, like, ten minutes. Yeah, and you're like, what? That's how long it was? Like, it really wasn't that long at all. But Yeah, well, the whole point was just chewing your quarters, man. You had to learn how to Mm -hmm. do everything. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful animation. (laughs) Really good stuff. Yeah. 